The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. The PFF Podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. We all put off things we know we need to do. I mean, we know we need to organize the garage or weed through our closets. I need to still rake up some leaves, but something's always getting in the way. Funny how home security can be like that. You know it's a good idea, but there's always something holding you back. Maybe it's the idea of paying a middleman or scheduling a six-hour installation window. Like, you have time for that. Well, fellow procrastinators of home protection, Simply Safe Home Security has gotten rid of all of the reasons not to get home security. Because they believe nothing should come between you and protecting your home, we're talking no contracts, no markups, no complicated installation. It's professional-grade home security that's engineered to do one thing quickly and brilliantly, protect you and yours. So yes, you can add this to your epic to-do list. Or hey, you can get started right now. Just go to simplysafe.com slash PFF. There's no better time like the present. That's simplysafe.com slash PFF. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson and a very special guest. It is our QB guru, Zach Robinson. He's going to be with us early on here as we preview the Pittsburgh Steelers at the New Orleans Saints. How are you guys doing? Doing good, good Steve. How about you? Excellent. Mm, so this is what you guys do back here. This is what we do. Yeah. Okay. yeah. We're on the podcast. We're on YouTube here so people can see Zach and you guys can hear us in podcast land. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to just tap into your, uh, your expertise on... Not only quarterback play, but I think you have a really good feel for what defenses are doing and coverages and all that stuff. So um, the Steelers beating the Patriots last week and how they did it, I think, is an interesting topic. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, the Steelers, we've seen them play such a uh, the same style for such a long time. I think them changing it up was the biggest story last week. We saw them kind of be the aggressor instead of just sitting back and that you know they're so used to playing those spot drop zones and uh and then when they do play match coverages they end up with linebackers on receivers and in in bad spots but last week they they said hey we're gonna bracket their two best players so they had a bracket on Gronk a bunch of times in key situations and then they mixed up the other bracket whether it was being on on Josh Gordon or Julian Edelman so I think the the aggressiveness coverage wise was a big story that game and then they were moving around a ton mixing up the looks tom brady you know never really had a good beat on what they were doing so uh it was nice to see them be the aggressor coverage wise and, and kind of mix some things up this felt like the steelers for a few years have been trying to get over this everest to the patriots and they've tried a whole bunch of different things game plans every game this felt like the game where they just went what happens if we try all of them in the same game Right, like it, none of these have worked on their own. We've all of them. The Patriots just run through. What happens if we try all of them at the same time? Yeah, and they've they've tried playing man to man, and it, it hasn't gone well. Right. And they've tried to say, let's soften up and let's play cover three spot drop. Everybody get to our our zone. And you're right, it, it just has not gone well. So seeing them kind of go to almost a New England style of of bracket because last year you saw that game when they did play cover one. Sometimes the safety was leaned to the hat. They had Brandon Cooks, but you know that the seams are going to Gronk down the, down right. the seam, especially late in that game. And so the, just the kind of the awareness, like, all right, hey, we, we got to take these guys out, especially some of these key third downs and key situations. So uh, it, was, it was a good plan. They, you, you don't 
typically see the Steelers just change it up that much. I remember you saying in last year's game, they tried to play man, which on paper sounds very simple, but when you're a team like New England that plays a ton of man coverage, you have experience with, okay, if you have an empty formation, here's how we adjust. Or if you have a tight formation, here's how we adjust. The Steelers tried to play man, and they didn't have the experience to adjust to all of New England's formations last year. So did they do a better job of those types of adjustments and knowing because it's knowing what your safeties are doing like you're saying are they leaning are they bracketing are you know how are they adjusting to formations was that one of the big key differences yeah i think so and they they didn't have a ton of just pure man-to-man snaps they tried to eliminate those i think it was just a few third down and and short so uh they said hey we're gonna have an in and out bracket on the two best guys and, and they made it as simple as possible wherever gronk was they were going to have a guy on the on the outside, and then the next guy was funneling. The safety was going to funnel inside. Same thing with Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman. And so they always had an answer for, you know, the quick the quick strikes on on some of those Edelman routes underneath. They had a, a bracket there, and then uh, you know nobody else was really able to separate. I think that was another big story. Is, is the rest of the team covered well when they did try to go to some of those other right. guys. So uh, it, it was yeah, overall it was a good plan. I don't know how many teams have had to face Tom Brady and then Drew Brees in back-to-back weeks, but you've got, you know, that's what the Steelers are doing right now. So a great game plan against New England and Brady. What's going on with the Saints offense? How do the Steelers attack them? Obviously, Drew Brees hasn't been the same quarterback, or at least the results haven't been the same over these last few weeks. What have you seen on film for this uh, Saints passing attack? Yeah, they, they've just been, I think... Uh, they're so used to dictating everything with all the formations and, and the stuff that they do that teams were kind of like, I think Dallas was very physical and they're saying, hey, let's, let's play a bunch of man-to-man. Let's get up in these guys' face, make them a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that was a big, big thing. The Steelers don't quite have the personnel to just match up man-to-man. So I do think uh, you can use a blueprint that you use against the, against the Patriots. We've seen a bunch of teams treat uh, you know Michael Thomas with that double mentality, and even Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield with that same double mentality. You take those two guys, you make uh, Traquan Smith, some of these other guys win. So I think the blueprint of just getting up in their face, playing a little bit more press, not sitting back and just letting them, uh, you know, have at it, and, and definitely just picking your spots with all that. You know, the, the first down, early down play actions, playing a little softer cover too. I think has been a big uh, thing that we saw the Cowboys do as well. You said something to me the other day too. The Steelers did stuff that wasn't they didn't do all season. So how how rare is it for a team that usually they do what they do? The Steelers. How rare is it for a team you know in weeks fifteen and sixteen to kind of completely change things? Yeah, up? it very rare. I mean, you you kind of are what you are, and I think that's when you have so much data from the whole season you've seen how you've played and you see uh you know what what teams have struggled with is really when the chess matches begin and if you have the i guess the guts to do it and say all right we got to we got to change something here offenses are too advantageous what they're doing we got to make them uncomfortable we got to move around a little bit so i think that's been uh you know if you're a defense you think I, we got to do something. We can't just do what we've done. And if a quarterback comes up, he knows what the coverage is. He knows where to go with the ball pre-snap. Uh, it's game over, especially with these veteran guys. So Steve obviously loves your you know X's and O's breakdowns, this idea you can come in, tell him all the coverages, tell him what was happening. The fa- my favorite thing you do, though, is start talking about you know guys' personalities and how guys are reacting to things. So... How do you think the dynamic works in Pittsburgh when you've got Antonio Brown getting a bunch of crappy passes thrown his way, getting really pissed off on the yep. sideline, and then Ben Roethlisberger blaming anybody but Ben Roethlisberger for these passes? When they get to a meeting room, how do you think that goes during the week? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, <laughs> I, I, think, I think it kind of, with those two guys, it seems like they're, they're going to be frustrated, but then when they come face to face, it's like, yeah. hey man, yeah, no, right. we'll, we'll get on the we'll get on the same page. But then, you know, on the sideline, when Ben's not looking, <laughs> he might kind of throw a tantrum. So, uh, it is an interesting dynamic because both guys, obviously, like highly competitive. Right. Brown wants the ball every single snap. He's probably open. He's probably telling him he's open every single snap. So, uh, but I I don't know if there's much, you know, face to face interaction where they're like you got to give me the ball, blah, blah, You know, it's more kind of yeah. when they're not looking. It's like, you know, school friends trash-talking each other behind <laughs> their backs. As soon as they get face-to-face, everything's cool. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's weird, though, because those two guys have had this incredible connection for years. And when, when Brown has gone off the boil, it's because Roethlisberger's got hurt and Landry Jones comes in. Landry yeah. Jones can't find Antonio Brown. But for the first time ever, it's been Roethlisberger unable to hit him. Him and Juju have this great connection this year. 
but for whatever reason, he just can't get the ball to Antonio Brown as much as usual. I still got like 13 touchdowns or whatever it is. So it's yeah. Not, the, it's not like it's a crisis or anything. Right. The, the early season stuff, especially, they, they were just not on the same page. Right. And, and sometimes is Brown trying to do too much on a route and Ben's expecting this. And then other times uh, Ben's just flat out missing. He's, he hasn't been that accurate all season. So, uh, you know, definitely a combination of those guys just – just not being on the same page. That's what I wanted to ask you about is Roethlisberger's season. I'm just looking at – so he's number 16 in PFF grades, 78 overall. That's, I mean, he's been a top five to eight quarterback for the last three or four years pretty consistently. This is one of his – this is his worst grade since uh, where 2011. Um, what have you seen? I mean, we, there's a ton of yellow, you know, in, the, in uh, PFF Elite early in the year. There's a couple blue games in there, dark greens. You know, it's just been so inconsistent for Roethlisberger this year. What have you seen? Yeah, the, the first five weeks – he was just making poor decisions. Like Sam and I even did a did a video just showing some of these plays that he was actually getting away with because statistically right. it looked good. Um, and then you know you get the the week five I think is when he came out and you know saying the similar story that we've heard with him is you know maybe I I'm, I don't have it anymore. That was last year, but he said some right. similar comments. Last and year then, he throws five picks against Jacksonville and he's like I'm ready to hang him up. <laughs> yeah. And then he turned it around. And then the Cincinnati game was a good was a good game, but it's been. The decision making all year long, especially under duress, just trying to do too much late in the play. That's that's his style, but he's forced more passes this year, and, and uh, you know it, it's just been a common theme each week. You're expecting him to have at least two throws a game, right. where it's like this this is could be picked off or it could fall to the ground incomplete. So uh, it's been yeah, definitely been up and down. Yeah, forty eight point seven grade when under pressure compared to eighty six point four with no pressure. Passer rating drops drops from 106 in a clean pocket to 58 when under pressure. So that backs up what you have seen. Um, what about for picks? You're in you're in our little uh, pick list here, Zach. It looks like we're all I'm, str- I'm struggling this year. I think I'm second to last. But I so got uh, to you. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm trying to. In, I'm in makeup mode right now. But I would say. Yeah, I, I got I got New Orleans. I think who is last? Is it still Renner or is yeah, Renner was down there for a right. while? But yeah. Neil's been taking these crazy like Maverick picks all season. He's got to be down there. Some right? are working though. I mean, so he's taking Pittsburgh. He's he's, he's taking the Giants every single week. Right, that's been he Neil's has. story. Is he taking them again? Let's find out where we are. It's funny how much Neil hates Eli, yet he still picks the Giants every week. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so we're all taking the Saints in this one. Um, any predictions as far as how it? how it does play out does do breeze in the saints passing attack do they bounce back these last couple weeks in the dome i I think they get back on track i think they kind of get back to dictating the tempo of the game and and you know playing some more no huddle and kind of just uh getting back to their style you mentioned you love the the dome stuff i love the breeze the indoor outdoor steve's got yeah okay well he's big on indoor outdoor domes he's big on weather big weather guy is it a factor (laughs) yes there we go. Yeah, but how big a factor is it? How did Breeze look throwing the ball in Carolina on Monday night? I don't have he didn't grade poorly. He had a couple nice throws, had some bad luck, but yeah. the ball doesn't come out of his hand the same way, right? No, I agree. I don't have I, any I'm trouble believing that it's a factor, just not as big a one as you want to make it out to be. No, it's a huge factor. Yeah. It's a huge factor. Look at Matt Ryan. Look at the Matt Ryan. 55 yeah. grade outdoors. So, okay, Zach's Someone ahead of Neil, and he's ahead of Renner. Nice. Quite a, quite a lot ahead of Renner, actually. In fact... Almost everybody is quite a lot ahead of Renner. Cynthia Freeland isn't, though, as it, as it happens. Mike's not good at making picks. Apparently not. I mean, he's 56.3% on the season. <laughs> so um, we're expecting the Saints to get back on track. Do you want to do one more? Do you want to do one more game? Sure. This was fun. We go. All right. Our other marquee matchup is the Kansas City Chiefs going to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. So let's discuss the Patrick Mahomes show. You've been a big fan of Mahomes since Texas Tech. What did you see from him in college? What have you seen from him this year in the NFL? Anything that surprised you to this point with his development? I, I think, you know, to think that he was going to be leading MVP candidate at this point, I, nobody can say that they predicted that. But seeing, you know, just the, the pure arm talent he had coming out of Texas Tech, the playmaking ability, and, and you saw him play enough in structure. We saw him running around a ton. But we, you saw him play enough in structure and anticipate windows that you were like, okay, th- this can happen. He had, uh, you know, in all of our data, the big-time throws and everything, he was up there. But then the turnover-worthy throws, he, he was way up there as well. So there was, you knew there was going to be some volatility, but it hasn't shown up, I guess, as much. Andy Reid's been able to kind of control him. And uh, I do think watching 
a full year of, of Alex Smith playing is it, it can't be understated because you I think you learn situational football by just sitting back and watching. That's why when some of these guys get a break from playing, some of these rookies, they come back playing a little bit better. They get four or five weeks. They get to sit back and say, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. This is, you're, you're so many times just immersed in it, and then it's, it, there's so much information going on. You get overloaded. But uh, learning the situations and, and how, how to handle things behind Alex Smith was, was big. But um, he, he's been unbelievable. There. I think we talk about in the office all the time. It's like how how do you try to stop this right. guy? We talk about different try to plans. What what can, you can do, and each time he whatever a team's trying to do, he he just combats it with uh, you know a special throw down the field or he breaks a pocket on a third and eight and uh, and, and then all bets are off from there. So um, he, he's been unbelievable. It's it's interesting because people are the guys that you know were Patrick Mahomes fans at draft time. All taking victory laps now, you know. It's like, see, he told you he was amazing, but it, it, it's you can't look at the guy he was in college and say, well, of course he was going to become this player because he's doing a lot of the same things, right? All this out of structure stuff and the, the, the crazy big throws that he's he's making now, they were obviously there, but it's all the stuff he's doing within the structure now that I think took a massive projection to be able to say, okay, he can definitely do that. Like yeah. that's the big unknown quantity. So. It, it, it feels a little disingenuous to be saying, well, of course he was going to become this guy because that yeah. is a massive leap in development that yeah. he couldn't have possibly taken for granted. Yeah, and, and I think that, that style and that system, and you know, we mentioned that he saw a ton of three-man rush in college. They had a historically bad defense on the other side. So you try to like say, okay, was he doing this because of the three-man rush? He's trying to create windows because right. he has to make a play on every single drive they can't they can't end a drive and a punt they're going to give up 52 they better score 54 right. you know so um but it, it still was hard to say oh yeah this guy's going to be you know he's going to take care of the ball reasonably well i think is he a middle of the pack turnover worthy throw yeah throw wise and he's, he's more you know to the top end of the league actually yeah. but if you include fumbles and everything it's you know top ends to just about middle of the pack yeah so i mean but big time throws that offset it right um I think I've been most impressed with, and I said this last week on the podcast, second lowest percentage of negatively graded throws. And then in, in the, uh, the Chargers game, he missed a few more throws than he um, usually has. But he's not this – he's volatile in that he's had the bad fumbles. He's had you know some ugly interceptions in there and dropped interceptions. But he just doesn't miss a ton of throws. And this is the whole thing. Like He makes the special plays outside of structure – but if he just has to sit in the pocket and pick you apart, he's not going to just you know overthrow six passes like other quarterbacks might. I'm not going to mention <laughs> Cam Newton, but Mahomes, uh, you know, he can pick you apart with his accuracy as well. well I yeah. think that's the that's the thing that makes him so hard to defend right now is that you assume that a guy who makes all these crazy fifty yard bombs running to his right back across his body can't do the simple stuff right because most of those guys can't it's they make up for the stuff they can't do with these crazy throws every now and again but Mahomes if anything is more dangerous when you just force him to sit in the pocket and pick you apart so now you're at this Aaron Rodgers point of I don't even know what the game plan is like what are you supposed to do to slow this guy down and that's the problem that you've always had facing Aaron Rodgers is that at least, you know, when you're facing Drew Brees or Tom Brady, you know what you're supposed to do, right? You yeah. can't always get it done because those guys are so good. But you understand what the game plan should be rolling into the game. When you go up against Aaron Rodgers and now Patrick Mahomes, I don't know what you're supposed to do to stop those yeah. guys. Because in theory, you want to try and keep them in the pocket because when they break the pocket, they're so incredibly dangerous. But then they just carve you up. So, like, what do you? There's so much game random, plan? randomness right. to the game that you. Yeah, I'm with you. There's, you do have to have a, I think a, a special pass rush plan when right. you're playing him, and you have to mix it up on some third downs. There's so many times he's flushed right, and he just he makes a play that I think if you got some sort of spy that's you know the guy the defensive end rushes upfield you know he's going to bail out right and that spy guy's scraping over right. the top you see that i think a t- couple teams try to do that and it's forced yeah. him um but i mean you're just trying hoping anything that he makes a mistake and you take advantage of it i can't wait actually to see how teams you know they, they spend the offseason studying and i know you can make in-season adjustments we just talked about the steelers but you spend an offseason studying mahomes especially his division rivals the chargers the broncos uh the raiders might study him uh, and just see what they do next year. Uh, Steve Young. <laughs> Steve Young. I mean, but just seeing how they adjust to him next year. Like, do you try to 
Do you try to force him left? Do you try to blitz to make him roll left? Do you try to keep him in the pocket? And then in that Chargers game, you know, a week before, Mahomes made that special play on fourth and long, rolling to his right, and I was like, all right, Chargers third and long, game's on the line. You're going to mush rush him? You're just going to keep him in the pocket because you're afraid of that ability? And they actually went after him and sacked him. But I really yeah. think it puts the defense in a bind to say, do we even want to try to put pressure on him for fear of him breaking the pocket? Yeah. So um, Seattle, defensively, two weeks ago, uh, dominant performance against the Vikings. Last week, not as good in San Francisco. How different is that Seattle team? You know, you've played up there and everything as far as that home field advantage. And what do you think their matchup looks like with Mahomes? Yeah, I think uh, that that's the hardest place to play. I think mean, everybody sees it when you watch a game there, especially a night game. It's a Sunday night game, right? It is. It's yep. a Sunday night game. So, I mean, it, it's... It's so hard to play there. It is so loud. There's one end of the field that you can't hear a thing. You don't know what's going on. So there's, um, you know, it, it definitely makes a huge difference. I think Seattle's done a good job of not just playing their their brand of cover three, and they've mixed in some two high looks. They've mixed in some uh, cover six, quarter, quarter half. And so they, they've done a good job of getting away from just the staple cover three that they've been. So they, I think they'll have – have to have a plan to do a lot more of that uh we talk about early downs you know the play actions all that stuff make make them run the football stay in the stay in too high coverages as much as you can and and the backers bobby wagner covered i mean he's gonna have to have a big game just uh trying to cover crossers and all the jet motion and everything that he's going to be shown uh with his eyes i think he's gonna need to have obviously a big game want some breaking news yeah breaking news live on the podcast Josh Gordon is stepping away from the game. Come on. I was going to get to it when we get to the Patriots stuff, Sam. Well, I'm, I, that's not breaking, Steve. What you'd do there is you would sl- slot it in seamlessly into our show, but that's well, not that's, breaking news. Right. That's, that's not how that works. Right, we're going to cover it when we t- discuss the uh, Patriots and Bills. All right, fine. Fine, I'll hold <laughs> so off. let's wrap I'll up. hold off until I read it. Because we're statement. also trying to do a separate Chiefs and uh, Seahawks YouTube video that's going to get cut up separately. Did just I just some ruin insight. it? Yeah, you ruined it. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah, just some insight. Sounds about right. You can keep this in, then we can, you know. Smile nicely at the camera. We'll get to the breaking news on the rest of the podcast. Let's go to the other side of the ball with uh, Russell Wilson at quarterback for Seattle. They've been trying to run the ball a whole lot. I honestly thought that he was going to have a tough season given the personnel, given the fact that they wanted to run the ball so much. But he's, you know, he's had some duds in there too. He's had a couple bad pick sixes. But overall, he's played an excellent season and statistically one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year, uh, despite not throwing to some great receivers on the outside. Yeah, I think the... It's been pretty underrated. He hasn't been talked about a ton in terms of yeah. uh, some of these other guys we mentioned because it's just been some games he'll have 18 attempts. He'll be 12 right. of 18 for 205 yards and three touchdowns. You're like, man, he he played he well. He made a games. couple, yeah. you know, he made a couple big throws that they need. Uh, but it, that's what it comes down to is uh, you know the control, the control, converting third downs, and then like we've always seen him making some special throw that uh changes the game down the field to lock it or Baldwin, one of those guys so um you know they they've they've got some things i would you would think they'd be maybe a little more aggressive against this kansas city chiefs team and try to get down the field but uh that's been that's been their style just kind of ball control and and play good defense old school way should be a shootout in this one you think Wilson versus Mahomes, Sunday night football shootout in Seattle? I, I can see Seattle shutting them down a little bit and, really? and controlling some of it. I, I don't know. I, I think uh, you know they're going to try to slow the game down Seattle, I'm sure. But if they, get into a, if they get into a foot race with these guys trying to go up and down the field, uh, you definitely don't like Seattle's chances. But uh, I think they, they can maybe have the goods to slow them down a touch and keep this game uh, maybe in the 20s. I'll say this. Seattle, because of how much they want to run the ball, the idea of shortening the game and limiting possessions and stuff like that, they at least have the mentality yeah. to slow to slow Kansas City down, plus their defense at home. So they've, yeah. got, the, they've got the tools to maybe do it. How yeah. much does so um, these kind of Big 12-style offenses that's just points immediately, you know, even going back to the, to the 98 Vikings type of offense, which is just quick strike stuff, how much does a team that slows them down by eating the clock and ball control, how much is being off the field for those guys piss them off yeah. more than anything else? Like oh, this idea yeah. that you're just sitting there watching some team incrementally three yards in a cloud of dust work their way down the field. You're sitting there for 15 minutes before you can get back out there 
and you know fire a ball down the field incredibly for incredibly frustrating. Yeah, when you're so used to playing that style and you're right. used to being out there and you're the ones making all these plays, and then you're sitting on the sideline, and then when you get back out there. You're pressing to make plays, and, and even the play caller can press because they're so used to getting these chunk plays. And so uh, I think we, you see that a little bit with the Rams even with their recent struggles is uh, you just you just start pressing a right. little bit. You want to make that play when you get back out there, but you're, you're frustrated as heck watching a team take a you know, 10, 11 play drive. Like it uh, shouldn't. In theory, it shouldn't do anything to you, but yeah. somehow it just it kind of drives these teams nuts just sitting there watching this. And then as soon as you go out, like in theory, that should you know, you, okay, this is your chance. You just go out there, you answer with your standard quick scoring drive, and you, you give it back to them. But right. it doesn't for some reason. It like it bothers these teams who go out there and then you you make a mistake, you you don't quite execute again, and then yeah. like it just that that way of ball control. Like we said for a while, it's it's the way it's one of the ways you slow down these teams. But you've always thought because it just it just removes the amount of time that those they can do damage. But there's yeah. actually something to this idea that not only that, but it sits them on the sidelines where they just get annoyed the and frustrated. And then yeah. that's when they start uh, misfiring and, and executing badly. Well, there's yeah. two ways to do it, too. I mean, if, like the Ravens a couple of weeks ago really kept the ball away from the Chiefs. They played ball control, and that's that has to be their game plan. But other teams have to go in and say, all right, we got to go, you know, we got to match the Chiefs. We have to match a, a great quarterback. So you're actually going to pass more, and it actually leads to more shootout situations so there's two different ways to approach it i think the if, if you know that you can run the ball at five yards a pop you know and you limit them two possessions a game because you're taking up the play clock i think there's something to yeah. it but it's also risky because if you can't run the ball then you're getting blown out yeah well yeah so there's that we all taking uh we're all taking kansas city except for gordon in this one so yep. kansas city on the road sunday night we're all expecting them they are in control of the number one seed so if they win out uh, despite their loss to the Chargers, the Chiefs will be the number one seed AFC West champions. There we go. Good stuff. Thanks for coming on, Zach. Yeah. That was great. Thanks, thanks was for having me, Phil. Very helpful. We'll let you leave now. So Good we're just going to do an awkward transition where you just walk off the camera. Okay. Is that cool? All right. Get back I don't to think work. That's awkward. All right. I think See that's kind of, you know, it's kind of cool and, and daring. Zach's just going to drop it the mic cool and, and drop the mic and bail. We have to get his, we have to unplug his mic so we don't. Do we? No, I just turn so. it down, right? I don't oh, no, know that's how his to volume. Turn yeah, there's surely one of those is a level. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Zach. Surely one of those things is a level, right? We can no, I think like, you scoot, just unplug it. We can scoot in a little bit now. Let's do it. Let's unplug it. Unplug it. God, you you shouldn't. You're not allowed touch things. I hope that, I didn't ruin anything. Right. Probably neither of us are. Like one of us is now not producing audio into this oh, podcast anymore. It's just going to be. There's going to be an entire podcast with like 30 minutes of one person talking to himself. Should we get Tyler to just double check to make sure we <laughs> don't ruin anything? Unplug somebody. Tyler, come check this real quick. Let me, I'll send him a Skype message. Oh, He'll perfect. Know. Yeah, this is this is. All right, awful. let's get to this your breaking news. So first off, thanks to Zach. We, again, Zach's, you know, he's in the office with us every single day. So people know who Zach is, right? I mean, we should, we should probably tell them just in case they don't. Yeah, so he's a PFF analyst, former. Yeah, that's probably not what I'd lead off with if I was giving you Zach's resume. Oh, no, that's the resume. Oh, yeah? PFF analyst? He's now credible because he's, okay. listen, you've heard former NFL and college quarterbacks talk. I have. That doesn't make them credible. No, I mean you start with the most right. credible thing, which is PFF analyst. There, so this then is what I was Oklahoma telling you State yesterday, quarter. right? This is what I was telling you yesterday. There is a lot of morons at the in the NFL, in the NFL, working high power positions. There are a lot of freaking idiots, right? There's a lot of smart people as well. Don't get me wrong, but there is a staggering proportion of absolute idiots. And my favorite thing is when they give unattributed quotes to people, right? Because yes. you know PFF. 32 teams, NFL teams, are, are customers of PFF. 45 college teams, CFL teams, media. There's basically the number of people that I can take the piss out of on air has dramatically reduced because they're all paying customers, right? I have to be, yeah, you, you have to bite your I tongue. have to be politically correct and bite my tongue on a lot of stuff. But when somebody gives an unattributed anonymous quote to a journalist, I can let rip on that because the only way of those guys getting back to PFF is by coming in and saying, yeah, I was the idiot that gave that stupid quote and I object to the characterization of my own idiocy, which nobody's going to do, right? Yeah. So anytime anybody says something really stupid anonymously, I can rip into it. We're still on, right? Just making sure. I Steve un- unplugged, unplugged things Zach. and we were just making sure that he didn't I just want to make things. sure I didn't break anything. So, so 
somebody gave uh, an anonymous quote that was talking about MVP, right, to Tom Pelissero in his article where he goes and polls a bunch of NFL executives about who should be MVP, who should be Rookie of the Year, et cetera, et cetera. And some guy said that Todd Gurley should be MVP, which is not a tremendously controversial statement because, you know, we've been railing against it all season long, so a lot of people have thought it. Yep. Um, Todd Gurley should be MVP, uh, and the quote was something along the lines of, uh, the effing run game is what makes all that other shit work. Talking about the Rams offense. Yeah. Now, that is so outrageously, staggeringly, painfully stupid that I, it, it actually, like, short circuits my brain that an NFL, like, like, that guy should be outed immediately and fired from his job for being that dumb. But my point overall is that there's, the league is full of those idiots. Um, and just being in the league, having like a qualified position does not in any way, shape or form give you a uh, watermark of intelligence. That this was is all lo- to, this is all basically just, saying that, yeah, just being around the league circles does not make you smart. But so Zach, anyway, however, here's our introduction for Zach now yeah. that he's gone. PFF analyst, PFF analyst, former NFL backup quarterback. Yes. For multiple teams, multiple teams, Patriots, Bengals, Lions and Seahawks. Former Oklahoma State quarterback. He does a ton of our videos over here on YouTube um, and all that stuff. He's also our QB expert. He was drafted as, you know, a Tom Brady backup. He was one in the line. I'm actually kind of surprised he didn't ultimately get flipped for a first-round pick. Or at least have uh, have that, you know... I know, right? The swirl around it's him. He's going to get flipped for a first round of the There's Patriots. No Patriots are going to move him for a first rounder. He's been developing behind Tom Brady. He also, in what must have been his rookie year and first preseason game, maybe got one of those hazing rookie haircuts from Tom Brady. Oh yeah. The there's a, there's you know a preseason Tom Brady game touched his head. Zach, Zach is standing there on the sideline, and the camera spent an inordinate amount of time focusing on Zach's head, which had been shaved in. A variety of comedy ways by Tom Brady. It was great. Yeah. So, so Zach, um, I would have worn a hat or a helmet myself. I wouldn't have stood there with the haircut like that. But that's just me. <laughs> no, they don't let you. You have to. Everybody has to see the haircut. Who? Who doesn't let you? Tom Brady made him stay there without the. Yeah, the, the veterans hat make nail. you show off your haircut. That here's, sounds kind of like an asshole from here's Tom Brady. The, here's the thing: we've had former coaches and various people, like you said, everybody's at different levels, right? Um, Zach has done a really good job of coming in, actually learning the PFF system, learning our way, and then adding his own insight in ways to make it better and better. So now his job on a Sunday slash Monday is to review every single quarterback grade. So he has literally watched every single passing play this year. Um, And the thing I've learned the most about quarterbacks is a lot of times you're like, oh, he's a quarterback, therefore he knows quarterback play. But quarterbacks, because they have to know everything, have really good feel for good and bad receivers, good routes, bad routes, you know, receivers that have a feel for the game, receivers that don't, and they have a really good feel for coverage because obviously they have to know what coverages they're playing against. And Zach has this really good feel for the defensive side of the ball. Like if I'm going against Patrick Mahomes, here's what I would do. If I'm going against Drew Brees or Big Ben or Tom Brady, here's how I would attack him. So that's opened my eyes a ton to his insight on the defensive side of the ball how to exploit quarterbacks' weaknesses because he knows every quarterback inside and out. Therefore, you would know how to attack him. So I like having his insight on here. We hope you guys enjoyed that. Zach and I used to have our own separate podcast. I know thousands and millions of you. With the worst name ever given to a podcast. The Big Time Thrillcast is a great name. You are uniquely qualified with coming up with bad names for things. You're so... You are, listen, you're being negative you are again. staggeringly... staggeringly don't want your negativity. You are staggeringly inept at coming up with names for things. Everybody yet, send me a tweet if you love the even, Big Time Throw cast and if you love Big Time Throws. Even in your spectrum of horrific naming of things, that's the worst thing you've ever come up with. No way. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, Big yeah. Time Throw cast is awesome. Big Time Throws like, is awesome. There's, a, there's, a, there's an exec right now that was talking to Zach the other day that says, oh, I love Big Time Throws, especially because you, you could just click on them and watch all of them in a you row. You are basically the Christian Hackenberg of naming things, and yet that is your I might Mona you Lisa. the podcast. That right is now. your Mona Lisa of naming things. You're that's hijacking like, the podcast, that's and you're like hijacking the worst it thing you've ever done right now. Like Christian Hackenberg. It's the worst throw he's ever attempted. That's your Big Time Throw cast. Can we get to our news? Yeah, well, I got to the news 20 minutes ago, and then he told me to sit on it. There's new news. New news? It's being reported that Josh Gordon's actually facing an indefinite suspension. Okay. So, either so, way, he's not going to be playing football for the New England yes. Patriots. Or Can any I other read you NFL his team. statement? No. Why not? Because people will have already seen it right now. 
but they um, might not. Maybe they got all their information. Audibly. Go for it. Josh Gordon's statement. <sighs> Josh Gordon on Twitter. I take my mental health very seriously at this point to ensure I remain able to perform at the highest level, which he hasn't been. I have recently felt like I could have a better grasp of things mentally. With that said, I'll be stepping away from the football field for a bit to focus on my mental health. I would like to thank Coach Belichick, Mr. Kraft, as well as countless others within the Patriots organization for their continued support. I want to thank my fans for their support as well as I continue down the path of getting back to 100%. So, he's stepping away. I hope he does. Which may or may not be prompted by a suspension that's coming down the pike anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish him the best. It's been an ongoing issue and hope he gets over the uh his issues how much trouble does this put the patriots in offensively because we remarked on the fact that it was surprising that they didn't use him last week at all zach's back god zach's just wandering back we were just talking you up picking up his laptop laptop. leaving like i mean we were just saying how smart you were come on we're professionals here zach very professional live um so i think it's an issue i mean when you look at um the Patriots' offense and the fact that Gronk's not the same, right? Edelman's been a little inconsistent. Well, even Ed- so, Edelman makes a lot function within that offense, right? But you, he opens up some spaces for other people. But at some point, the other people have to actually take advantage of those spaces. Like he's not going to become this number one, you know, fulcrum of the entire offense. He's the guy that makes other things work, but the other things need to work. Otherwise. Like, he can't do that much. Who's you know that? I mean? Edelman. Edelman, yeah. Like, right. he's not going to be, you know, he doesn't become the thing. Right. Like, he's, he's a, a here's, part that makes everything else function. Here's how the Patriots offense has worked through the years. They've always, you know, Gronk has been at the center of it. Uh-huh. Edelman in the slot has been a part of it. The running back has been a part of it. And when they're at their best, they have an X receiver who can, when they need him, be a six to eight catch a game right. type of guy. Now that's Chris Hogan. And Hogan's not very good right now. Right. Hogan's, Hogan had a big 2016 season, which was a bunch of busted coverages and yeah. you know, him, you know, a couple random deep balls and all that stuff. But the X receiver through the years, whether it was Brandon, like Deion Branch did it a little bit, whether it was Brandon Lloyd, whether it was uh, Brandon LaFell. When they, when they turned a corner, after you wrote Brady off in 2013 and 14, Brandon LaFell turning a corner was a big part of Brady, Brady's improvement because it was just... Gronk's the number one option. Edelman's out there. Amendola's out there. The running backs are out there. But if all of that stuff's taken away, like we saw the Steelers do, here's an X receiver that can get open. And LaFell did a really nice job in that role. Run some slants. Run some stop routes. Um, so now that's a Chris Hogan thing. And uh, Brady just hasn't had a ton of confidence in Chris Hogan this year. And Hogan's not that great at uh, creating separation. He's not a great athlete. You know, he's, he's okay. He's just an okay receiver. So it just, you lose a weapon on that Patriots offense. Can they try and manufacture wide receiver Cordero Patterson because the best things he's done with the team so far have been a running back. So they have in recent weeks. Right. Right. They have. It, but it then really last went, week he played four snaps. But it really went from he's, you know, he's a gimmick player mm-hmm. to we're going to put him at running back because we're depleted. Right. To which, he actually, which worked. Which did work very well. To he actually has run some more wide receiver type routes uh, over the last few weeks. He, in the fact he's not a good route runner, Sam. You know he can run straight no. and he can yeah. run after the catch. But you're not gonna, you don't trust him. What happens with receivers if you you, you run that 18 to 20 yard dig route? That thing needs to be run with, to precision because if you round it at all, you're talking about overthrows, underthrows, interceptions. They were throwing timing routes on the outside to him over the last couple of weeks. So it looks like they've trusted him a little bit more in recent weeks. Again, is he going to be a high volume five to eight catch guy on the outside? Maybe not. But it's it's him and Philip Dorsett, right? Combined, trying to Ugh. become that guy along with Chris Hogan. It's not great. <laughs> Don't forget Matthew Slater. He he gets like two or three snaps at receiver <laughs> per season. year yeah. randomly. There was one year they just kept chucking it deep to him. Right, they'd go heavy formation and he'd just be the one downfield. Oh man, it's 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 great. So um, Brady's at a point right now where he's not having he's not as good as he was in recent years. He needs all the help that he can get, and Josh Gordon has provided that. There's certain games where Josh Gordon has been his key target. So yeah. Um, it is a loss uh, for New England. They're playing Buffalo this weekend, and um, Buffalo's defense is one of the best against the pass. Uh, Tre'Davious White, and they're just they're just a fundamentally sound. And Belichick was talking about it this week. Fundamentally sound zone heavy defense um, that I think they've just you know they've been overshadowed. I keep saying they've been overshadowed by an incompetent offense. But Buffalo's become an interesting team because you've got this volatility of Josh Allen, of Josh Allen at quarterback. 
where he can put spectacular plays together. Mm-hmm. They have a defense that's going to keep them in games. And, you know, Buffalo is just not a team you, you really – it's not an easy win, so to speak. They make things difficult. Anytime you face a unique quarterback, it's a problem. Yeah. Not because they're good, but because they give you something to deal with that you're not used to dealing with. And simply, so much of the NFL is, particularly on defense, is removing indecision from the equation. Like, if you know what you're doing, to, you hear this all the time that coaches – is doesn't matter if you make a mistake, but make the mistake at 100 miles an hour, right? I would rather you make the mistake at 100 miles an hour than, you know, do something correctly Is that Josh with indecision and slowly and thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So there's something to that, this idea that if you don't have to think about what you're doing, this is why that Colts defense has been way better than it should have been all year because they don't do anything. It's like we run the same defense basically every play. You know what you're doing. Just do it. But really and the fact, Yeah, and the fact that they're able to do it without thinking makes them better than they should be otherwise. So this idea that as soon as you face a different quarterback, now you have to think all the time. You can't – none of this is instincts. You have to figure out what exactly you're supposed to be doing in this circumstance, what happens when he does this. It changes everything you have to do, and it adds this layer of hesitation and indecision to your entire defense, which causes problems. So even though a guy like Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson are not actually very good right now, they are – tremendously problematic for a defense. They're not good as passers. They have, they are, they're well, good even, runners. They are good runners. So overall, as a quarterback, they are not very good. But they're incredibly dangerous. I agree. Which makes them problematic for a defense. Trubisky, too? I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Um, Trubisky, Cam, you're just... You're, Josh Allen, uh, currently 64.9 PFF grade. That's number two among all rookie quarterbacks. 65.5 passer rating, six, six touchdowns, nine interceptions. A lot of the passing stats, the results are probably what we expected uh, from Allen, but it's the rushing. He's got the second most scrambles yeah. in the NFL. Scrambles for, for runs with 43 behind only Deshaun Watson. And, of course, Allen has missed some time as well. Uh, it's, it's funny how uh, eerily similar Jeff George's. It's not that similar, but that's pretty close. Jeff George's rookie season. Jeff George? That was your con. Oh, it was, yeah. I was wondering why you had a seventy-three passer rating back in the day. I mean, it's yeah. That was that was that was obscure even for me. I was wondering why you were pulling it out as well. Completion percentage of fifty-two for Josh Allen. Jeff George was fifty-four. Actually, Jeff George's third year. You know, when you're supposed to be getting better. Fifty-four percent completion, seven touchdowns, fifteen picks. Yeah, rating of sixty-one point five. He did not progress. Things didn't go well for Jeff once he. He had a lot of upside that just didn't all the time until he had Randy Moss. Yeah, no, had, no, 97. He, he had good. upside basically all the way. Oh, man. He was Your the guy that, good, like, though. he was the guy that, like, at the age of 45, having been out of the year, uh, been out of the league for, like, nine years, like, oh, yeah, I can come back. Still got it. Arm is still good. Yeah. I can get out there right now and throw 25 touchdowns. Yeah. Because the arm was what was really holding you back. Um, so, yeah, Josh Allen making things uh, difficult. He's got 15 big time throws and 15 turnover worthy throws too. So I mean, again, it's just like yeah, he's all, he's been the, the least up and da- ups and downs of, of Josh Allen. In adjusted right? completion percentage, he's been the least accurate quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, which is again what we thought. I had our actual accuracy numbers up too. Then Excel crashed on me. Oh, okay. So my apologies. Well, but I, you I, he's put, down there with Lamar. You put an undue amount of stress on your Excel. I do. There's a lot of big numbers that we're trying to, uh, to pull if, if there are smart people out there that listen to our podcast, if you know what it is Steve does to create 85 megabyte spreadsheets when nobody else is able to actually achieve that, There's even a lot with the of same lookups. data, um, it would be great if you could streamline his process somehow so that, when, well, one, he can open his own spreadsheets, and two, when he sends them to other people, it doesn't consume the better part of their day just trying to open the sheet it, that he sent them. I'm, you know, if, if it's getting towards Christmas, if somebody feels generous and they would like to educate you how to do this that, is, that'd be outstanding. This is why we're creating PFF Ultimate to avoid those issues. How long is this podcast going to run? All right, um, it's been need, a different podcast. We actually need to do some rapid fire at this point because All right. we're because way there's, well, there's a lot the of games ball. that don't matter a ton. So I'm sorry if you're like a Redskins and a Titans fan, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time. Uh, Titans are going to beat the Redskins per everybody at PFF. That's yeah. what we're expecting on Saturday afternoon. Uh huh. The Redskins are so. Let's let's give something. Right? You're not. Little, no, no. We'll do rapid fire. We you're not give, a good rapid. We fire have guy. to give everybody something. Otherwise, it's just mean, right? So Washington disastrous quarterback situation. There's a lot to like about this roster, though. But they're all injured, so you're going to lose. The end. Nice. Josh, Josh Johnson had a nice game. He did last week. He did okay. Josh, was I? I was reading you his uh, college stats. Right? It was like 43 touchdowns, one interception. It was really good. It was finally here. Yeah. 
like 115 touchdowns, 12 picks or something over his career. Yeah. There was a lot to like about him coming out. There not was. Now, not so much. Next. Baltimore Ravens at the Los Angeles Chargers. I, we're going we're gonna to watch this game together, right? My family's out of town. We're going to yeah. hang out Saturday night, have some wings, watch the Ravens and the Chargers. Great wings. Can't wait. Dry rub. Um, if they sponsor us, we'll tell people where it is. We'll talk to them at the, okay. at the uh, Saturday night. They, yeah. Mm. I, I'm, I'm interested to see you know, Lamar Jackson in this rushing attack going up against the Chargers. They face some rough, you know, not-so-good defenses through the last few weeks. Can the, Raven, can the Ravens continue to kind of upset things here? You know, you've got this yeah. pass-heavy league. Can yes. they continue to upset things against you know, one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the NFL and Phillip Rivers this yes. year? Yes. It's going to take until 2019 for teams to figure out how to defend Lamar Jackson. Next. Uh, Baltimore is being taken by Mike Renner and Gordon. You and I are both taking the Chargers in this one. We already talked about Bills Patriots. Texans at the Philadelphia Eagles. Does Nick Foles continue this magic? Houston, if they win their last two games, they get the bye. Yeah. They get a bye in the AFC. Somehow. The, this is also the biggest test of just how bad your offensive line can be and your quarterback good under pressure and still function because the Eagles have the second best pressure rate in the NFL. They're still one of the best defensive fronts in all of football. The Houston Texans offensive line remains a disaster. So Deshaun Watson is going to be under pressure 50% plus of his snaps. And Brandon Graham just five sacks away. All I need is five sacks all from Brandon Graham in the last sacks. two weeks to win our bet. Right. So I'm expecting a big game from Brandon Graham, who did not have a single pressure last week on about 40 mm-hmm. rushes. It was a rough one for him. You are very close to 0-2 on these bets. We're both taking Philadelphia, though, in this one. So we're both expecting Super Bowl foals, playoff foals. Not even that. I just think that the weight of pressure is going to be too much. Yeah, this is a tough challenge for Houston on the road. Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton has been shut down for the year. Taylor Heineke. Tyler Heineke comes in. He was Tyler. Uh, Taylor. Taylor. Tyler. Taylor. Yeah, that's what I said, right? Did I say Tyler? Yeah. I meant, ty- uh, I meant Taylor. Okay. Heineke. Um, Better than Cam Newton, you say? No, I didn't say that. I was, if I say it as a joke off camera in the office, you can't present it as fact on the podcast. <laughs> I think you'll find I can. I said better than injured Cam Newton, maybe. I don't the think The way Cam has played the last three weeks, it's been rough. Um, so he might give them a chance against this rough Falcons pass defense. We'll see what Matt Ryan. I really need Matt Ryan in my fantasy final here, Sam. No, no, no. no. Stop it. We're not doing On the fantasy. road against Carolina. No. I will drop On this headset road. and walk out of this room if we talk fantasy. I haven't recalculated the grades, but Matt Ryan's somewhere in the 55 PFF grade range outdoors and about 90 indoors. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. It's pretty stark. We're both taking Atlanta still, though, with the Heineke factor. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns. Jeff Driscoll versus Baker Mayfield. Mm. Uh, Tyler Boyd's been shut down for the year. Always go with the better quarterback, which in this case is Baker. Baker's playing well. If you guys want more on the Browns, our guys uh, Eric Eager and George Shahori went behind the numbers in the Freddie Kitchens takeover. Since he's taken over at offensive coordinator, check it out on the YouTube channel. I got one one more number that's interesting, right? Excellent. You know who leads the league in uh, the as-yet-unnamed statistic that I haven't come up with a good name for yet? Oh, gosh. What we used to call, they're in our system as BDs, right? Beat defender. Which are, right. yeah, blocks where you, uh, Block pass rushing opportunities where you beat your blocker, but the ball comes out before you get a chance to pressure the quarterback. And the reason that's an important distinction is you want to reward pass rushers and penalize pass blockers because these are important plays, but you can't call it pressure because the quarterback has no idea it's happened, right? Think, you know, quarterback is looking to his right, and on the blind side, the left tackle is owned. He's face, face first in the floor. The defensive end is about to murder the quarterback. Quarterback has no earthy idea it's happening. So you can't call it pressure because it skews the numbers of how the quarterback performs in when under pressure. But you want to reward this block or reward right, and we're penalize. Just, we're isolating the block yeah. and the actual play. So you need to call it something. And we've had them in our system as BDs for a number of years, but we don't have a, a name for this. A good name, anyway. So far, the two closest suggestions have been uh, wins without pressure, WWPs, or... Non-pressure wins. Was N- that me? NPWs. I don't know. One of them was you. I did the non-pressure wins, NPWs. So anyway, if you have an opinion, let us know. Let us know, Steve. Let us know. We uh, do use these to calculate win percentage for pass rushers. Yes. This is just number of So anyway, one. The, number one in this statistic. I saw you posted. Isn't it Miles Garrett? Yes, it is Miles Garrett. It's basically the only pass rushing number in existence that Aaron Donald is not number one in, but he's number two. Because he actually does get the pressure. Right. He's, uh, Miles Garrett has 40 of them. Uh, Aaron Donald has 39, and the next closest guy, I think, is Cameron Jordan with 31 or something. So he, uh, Donald, again, is ahead of the pack, but Miles Garrett is actually one ahead of him. Just shows how much he wins. We're all taking the Browns. Yeah. 
in this one, except for Neil, again, going rogue, because yeah. Neil is really going against Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that is must he, be a mistake. Was he drunk Could doing be. these picks? we got to double-check on him. Tampa Bay at Dallas. I was, I was wrong about Dak last week being comfortable against that Colts defense. Maybe yeah. this is the week against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's played much better defense, though, in recent weeks. Cowboys have been a much better, different team at home. Vita Vea showed up, the actual college Vita Vea. He did. He showed up. He looks good now. Dominant performance right. there. I nice. think this will be a tighter game maybe than people expect. Um, Jameis Winston going up against this Cowboys defense on the road will be a fun little matchup, though. Yeah, absolutely. Jameis Winston is always a fun matchup, even like just for chaos factor. Kind of um, like the Josh Allen, but just without as much scrambling. We're all taking Dallas. And this one, Green Bay Packers at the New York Jets. There were rumors that Aaron Rodgers might be shut down for the season. He claims he's going to play. Yes. If he doesn't play, it's Deshaun Kaiser, who has been just oh. horrible since he's been on the field. Um, still young. But uh, <laughs> let's see, let's see how Rodgers finishes the season. He's had two of his four worst passing grades over the last two weeks since Mike McCarthy's firing. Weather, dome, and age. Those are your, those are your three things. Um, yeah, like the, this question we... You hate, you hate me so much. <laughs> It's the Christmas spirit. The, uh, I think like Christmas. I give you those things, and you give me like the cross country trip thing, like it's <laughs> like it's science, and you're like, oh, that's fine. But you're dropping dome stuff on me. Can't it's, have there's that. There's only one of them. I've already got one crazy thing. Green Bay. I, oh, the Green, Green Bay is crossing a time zone. I can't pick them. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Rogers. The question we pose: What if Aaron Rodgers is the problem? It still, still looms over this Packers team. Can I also define that too? No. He could be partially he could be partially the problem and still you have this whole new system and Josh McDaniels or Cliff Kingsbury comes in next year and rejuvenates him and he's great again. And not that he has but but he's just great. He has this dominant season. Like that's still possible while he's still kind of holding him down the other thing is we said that, you know, it's not like it's an insurmountable problem. Like Part of, so the problem, as we were articulating it, basically just means you managed not to spill it over yourself. Good work. I usually spill. The, uh, the problem we articulated was that the various traits of his play that are causing issues at the moment may actually be inherent in him rather than products of the offensive scheme. Yes. Right? Yeah. Now, that may be true in any system, but it's not like those are problems that can't be worked around if you right. understand what they are. So. Essentially, what you're creating, if you assume that this is all actually inherent in Aaron Rodgers, is like a superhuman game-managing quarterback. Like, you know, some kind, of, it, yeah. some kind of Alex Smith plus, 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 right? The guy who is way more conservative than he should be, still incredibly dangerous, but always going to make his life a little bit harder than it needs to be because of that. But like we were saying, we've been saying for years, you can work with Alex Smith and create a winning offense around him. Imagine if you have that like supercharged. Like that's basically what we're talking about. It's not like this is a an insurmountable issue. This just means you need to understand what it is you're working with and tailor it a little bit. Would you also, but or or because Aaron Rodgers has a Patrick Mahomes type skill set, right? Uh-huh. Would you want him to just play play like Patrick Mahomes? And I don't want to use the word reckless, but play more aggressive like Patrick Mahomes, right? Like when the Chiefs are well, down, I think that's what you want. But the like the what the point we're kind of coming around to is maybe he doesn't have that in him. Maybe maybe, it, maybe the reason he isn't playing like that is him more than the offense. And yeah. if it is, that's fine. You just need to can work around work that. with that. Yeah, it's a great way of putting it. Uh, we're both taking Green Bay. Yeah, in this one, uh, New York Giants at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, was discussing with some Colts fans about um, their offensive line. They were telling me about how their offensive line. It's a joke that they're not top five. Because they're sixth, they're yeah. sixth. Um, but Ryan Kelly, there's there's all these you know splits. Ryan yeah. Kelly, the rushing stats are so much better with him in there. Uh-huh. Um, first off, they're small sample sizes. Uh-huh. Secondly, Ryan Kelly had three what we, we call them double negatives last double week. Double negatives, yeah, minus ones or worse in our system. Okay, I'll go uh, with that. If he did that over the season, it would lead the league. So so that's why he didn't have a good game grade. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So um, sometimes. Rushing stats can occur with yeah, average yeah. blocking, with bad blocking, with really good blocking. I mean, it's just different particularly, things. Happen. Particularly with centers, right? Especially, right? Just he, because you don't notice him sucking out loud does not mean he wasn't bad in the game, right? You need to actually pay attention to what the center is doing on a block-by-block basis to understand whether he played well or not in a game. Like, I'm not saying this to belittle people. You're just If you're watching a game casually, you are unlikely to have any clue whether the center played well or not. Well, then, I wouldn't. You yeah. wouldn't. Nobody is, unless you're actually watching him specifically 
every single play unless he got whooped like six times for a sack. But then right? there's but then there's perspective too because if I say Ryan Kelly had three terrible plays and you're like, well, that's just three plays out of seventy. Yeah. Well, then you have to go to what the baseline is. The baseline mm-hmm. in the NFL is a, a a good center might have one of those losses per game, maybe yeah. one, but even that's high. So. The Indianapolis Colts offensive line has been better. I didn't realize we'd both been pissing off Colts fans this week. Oh, what were you doing? I was suggesting that Quentin Nelson made the Pro Bowl because he teabagged people. Oh, right. Yeah, the, the Grand Jacuzzi teabag um, thing. Again, I don't think – it's not that I think he's been bad. I think he's been good. I just think there's better players this year who could have gone to the Pro Bowl, say Shaq Mason. Yeah, We both um, we both got sucked down so Yeah, Shaq Mason, who arguably week. has been better than Quentin Nelson, but doesn't, critically, does not teabag people when he blocks them. So nobody is pushing the Shaq Mason. He's going to get a nut shot at some point from a <laughs> linebacker. <laughs> nobody is pushing the Shaq Mason for Pro Bowl narrative because he doesn't teabag people. But I was told on reliable uh, information that he anchors the Colts' offensive line. Can I just say I really like Quentin Nelson too? I really Everybody like him. did. I think he's going to be great. So I saw him doing Notre Dame games like in his second year or whatever. Thought, wow, that guy's really good. Everybody that did we college all grading. First. I saw him as a right. redshirt freshman. He looked Ev- great. Everybody looked great. that did PFF college grading loved Quentin Nelson. The yeah. grading loved Quentin Nelson. He's the, we said, he's the one guy that unifies PFF, people who actually watch the game and quantify how good people are, with offensive line Twitter, people that love guys teabagging guys. Yeah. And that's the end. Finish. He finished with a teabag, therefore he's great. Right? So we're expecting the Colts Quentin to win? Nelson oh, unifies sorry. all those people, and yet it's okay to say he's been good, not Pro Bowl worthy. It is okay. It is okay to have some nuance yes. to your analysis here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all taking the Colts to win this game. Minnesota yep. Vikings at the Detroit Lions. Lions playing uh, a lot of man coverage, so we get to see those uh, two great route runners, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, running routes against man coverage this week. Mm-hmm. At Detroit, what are you expecting? Uh, Vikings loss. You're taking Detroit. Yeah. You're the only one. Mm-hmm. Road game, why is it? Road game, division rival, Vikings aren't actually any good. Uh, this feels like exactly the kind of game they throw away after stomping the Dolphins. Where's the Cousins coaster right now? So he, good game against Miami. Yep. Back down again. <laughs> Back down. I'm, still, I'm taking Minnesota. I like that matchup for them against Detroit. Um, Matthew Stafford against the Mike Zimmer Blitz. 15 sacks since 2015. Yeah, that hasn't gone On like well. 90 blitzes. I will also say that if Snacks doesn't play, this swings dramatically in Minnesota's favor because obviously they have to establish the run. Oh, there you go. Got to establish that run in Minnesota. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars at the Miami Dolphins. In the Who Cares Bowl. Can Cody Kessler finally manage this offense? <sighs> he's struggling, Sam. Can he, you admit it? He is. He's not playing as well as he should be, and he's playing kind of like he stylistically he's playing the same as he always has which is his biggest problem is holding on to the ball too long this is what's always has right been. like his only shot you talk about alex smith plus uh-huh. is aaron Rodgers. he's like he's alex smith light he needs yeah. to play like alex smith get right. rid of the ball get rid yes. of the ball get rid of it make good decisions throw the ball accurately with a, that's with a his below biggest average problem. arm he has the lowest was it the lowest or the second lowest turnover worthy play percentage in the nfl yeah but he holds on to the ball way too long six highest issue. time to throw yeah that's a real problem for a guy that's small, doesn't have a great arm, and needs to be efficient and quick. I was talking to Zach about this quickly. Um, you know, in baseball, we talked about a 90-mile-an-hour oh, average. Now who's not able to go quick fire? A 90-mile-an-hour fastball is average. It's league average, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that half the fastballs are above 90 and half are below. It's like 80% of major league pitchers throw an average fastball. Does that make sense? So, like, in the NFL, an average arm. How many NFL quarterbacks have at least average NFL arm strength? Out of the 32 starters, probably 28 of them. They all have average arm. Average doesn't always mean <laughs> the middle. It feels like if it doesn't, we should rename it. My point is, uh-huh. when you find a guy that has a below average arm, yeah. it does stand out. That is Cody Kessler, meaning everything else needs to be very, very good. Yeah, Kellen Moore, Cody Kessler. Okay. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I do understand what you're saying. Then I think we need to rename average because that, nah, that's we'll not about what it later. That, that refers to. Well, we're both taking Miami in this one. Still in the playoff hunts, those Dolphins, right? Somehow, yeah. Still in there. Chicago Bears at the San Francisco 49ers. We're all taking the Bears. Uh, this will be another challenge for Nick Mullins. Zach did a good breakdown on Mullins on YouTube, but I am expecting the Bears defense to have more joy, as you would say, um, than against Mullins. Yeah. this is So Mullins has been good but really i mean he's in kyle shanahan's offense right so he has the mitchell trubisky factor of there is a massive scheme effect working in your favor yeah huge 
So Mullins the George been, Kittle effect. Right. Mullins has been good, but he's been helped out hugely. I, so <laughs> having been insulted at the fact that people had to watch this guy called Nick Mullins, who they'd never heard of in his first start, now those same people are getting to the point where they're like, I mean, have the 49ers found a starter? What can the Niners get for Is him? there a quarterback controversy? Yeah. Do they, you know, this craziness, right? Now, no. <laughs> the end. But they may have found a better backup. Yeah, like, Mullins absolutely. may actually be a way better bet than C.J. Beathard, who himself isn't terrible. But they may have found a better backup, particularly within that system. Kyle Shanahan will continue to scheme up plays for this. So, no. Quarterback controversy, no. But you shouldn't have been insulted having to watch this guy. He is enough about him that he could be a solid NFL backup. Yeah, and this will be a good, you know, good little test. Right. I uh, get to watch Trubisky again. You do. He threw the ball really well last week against Green Bay, <laughs> but he did fumble. Uh, we're all taking the Bears. Two more games to get through. Los Angeles Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. On paper, it looks pretty lopsided. However, the way Jared Goff and the Rams offense has played. What? There's no however to that. However, no. the way they've played and the way Arizona plays defense with their zone-heavy scheme can they keep it close? Can they slow down this Rams offense? I think it. I think this one might be a little bit closer than expected. No, I think it's a blowout. Yes. All right. So we're all, I'm taking the Rams. I'm just saying Arizona might keep it a little bit closer. Division game. Weird stuff happens. Neil's taking the Cardinals. Neil's really just going off the rails on some of. This I mean, stuff, he's huh? you know he's a desperate wounded animal, just trying to lash out on people as he goes down in flames. All right, and then the final game: Denver Broncos at the Oakland Raiders. It is that was a mix of uh, three metaphors in one. You're a big metaphor guy. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm trying to find out what the score was the last time these teams played. Denver Broncos at the Oakland Raiders on Christmas Eve night. You'll be sitting down watching, right? I did think it was quite a lopsided score. Do you know what the score was the last time these two teams played? 38 to 7? 34 to 0. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. 34 nothing. That all happened this year. Yeah. So Christmas Eve night, Denver Broncos at the Oakland Raiders. It's the Christmas Eve game that we all deserve. Denver at Oakland. I'm taking Oakland. I think you know, I think Denver's a different team, home and away. Right. I think I think the Raiders, Derek Carr, we gotta do a He's big discussion on better. Him. Big like, discussion? Not now. Not now. No, no, okay. no. Right. YouTube video. Okay. Obviously. Right. Like what do the Raiders do with Derek Carr? Oh, do you do right. you truly build around him? He started off the season slow. Is he really a Gruden type of guy? Do, does Gruden want uh, a lower salary quarterback? Well, they just does he want a first Nathan quarter? Peterman, so obviously his position is under real pressure. Point. Do we does does Gruden want a first contract quarterback? Yeah, that's a question. So I think that's a real discussion. But Derek Carr is playing much better, right? In recent weeks, albeit not last week. Yeah, I'm just saying overall. No, no, you're right. He's I mean he's quietly gotten a lot better over the season, but it's very much predicated on a few games. It's not consistent. But yet. he's he's another one of those quarterbacks that's in that middle tier right now that you don't know what you're going to get in any given week. Right. But I like them. I like them this week. Okay. Is that a good podcast? It was good. I got my Christmas sweater on. Feeling good. It's Christmas week. You doing anything fun for Christmas? Well, apparently we're having an office potluck, whatever the hell that is. There's food and stuff. I made bread. You did? You I made, made actually made, made bread. bread. I want you to report on it if it's good or bad next week. You okay. Give the listeners. You Not only did you make... So Steve made this bread entirely unsupervised because his wife has disappeared for the Christmas holidays for the moment. You're going to catch her up. Later. That was by design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like she didn't just, yeah. yeah. You're going to catch her up for Christmas. But Correct. the point is right now she's gone, left she you left. to your own devices. You made bread, brought it in along with like olive oil and, you know, a carving knife and stuff. Yeah. This is highly impressive domesticated Steve. She's been... I, uh, I went to Kroger and bought two bite brownies. Everybody else is going to... Everybody else is going to Kroger. Right. She's been like, making this homemade <laughs> bread in recent weeks that I love, so she taught me how to do it, and we practiced yeah. on Monday night, and then uh, here we are. I mean, I did not... I, I fully expected me to mail this in to this degree. I just didn't anticipate you not doing that. I had nothing to do last night at the house by myself, <laughs> so I made, made some bread. bread. <laughs> made some bread. <laughs> It was great. It was a different podcast, but we're all having some fun here. It's the holiday spirit. We hope everybody uh, has a great Christmas if you're celebrating. Even if you're not celebrating Christmas, we hope you have a great holiday Christmas, period. Right? Yeah. That day. I hope that right. day is great for you. That's how I like to say it. So Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and all that fun stuff go. to everybody. All of our listeners. Really appreciate all of our listeners. You guys have made the pod great. So uh, we won't be changing anything. We'll be recording here early Christmas Eve morning. Okay. Before I fly home. Right. Um, and then we'll be back for the next week's preview, all that fun stuff. So nothing's changing on our end. Hope you guys listen to us during all of your travels. So Merry Christmas to everybody. Everybody enjoy week 16, and we'll be back here Monday morning live on YouTube and on your podcast device sometime Monday.
quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.